Dr. Emily Funk Reynolds, and you are listening to the Confessions of a Young Doctor podcast, where we are striving for a balance at work and at home so that we can be the best for our patients, our family, and most importantly, for ourselves. Hello, friends. I am back with another episode this week, and I thought it would be fun to talk a little bit about my office floor plan and what I think about it now that I have been in the space for, oh my gosh, almost a year and a half. We're just a few months away from being a year and a half old. And especially now that we are busier, there are more patients coming in and more people utilizing the space. So I wanted to kind of reflect back on the floor plan and share things that I like and maybe some things that I would do differently. So I just checked back and my first preliminary floor plan for the space was February 1st of 2021. So because I opened my practice only a few months after graduating from residency, all of the planning period was done during my final year of residency. So I found my prospective space in January and I started working on the floor plan while we were still in lease negotiations. And this is something that I would highly, highly recommend so that you can get an idea of construction costs for what you're planning before you commit to leasing a space. So once you find a space that you think might work, that's when you want to start working on your floor plan and getting a rough idea of one, whether the space would actually work for you with the layout and two, how much it is roughly going to cost to build what you're envisioning, but it is paramount to have a floor plan before you sign a lease because absolute worst case scenario, you sign a lease for a place and then you find out that you can't actually utilize the space in a way that you would want to and you're stuck with a signed lease for a space that is not going to meet your needs. So that is number one, but because I was in this process, during residency, then I want to point out that I designed this office without ever having worked in a private orthodontic practice. So I was just in our kind of residency clinic, which is very, very different than a private practice office. So because of that, I think there are a couple of things that I probably would have done a little bit differently had I had the experience of working in a private practice, but you know what? I went for it and here we are. So I want to share some things that I love about my floor plan and then a couple of things that I would probably change if I had the opportunity to do it over again. So um, without further ado, here they are. The first thing that I absolutely love is having a separate staff entrance. With my 
space, we have our front door, which is where patients come in. And that leads right into the reception area and the reception desk. And then we have a separate side door that comes off of a hallway um, that is kind of common space in the area where my rental space is. Um, There are apartments above. So in that hallway is the kind of group mailboxes and then also an entrance into the apartments. So that door, the way that it is, is completely hidden from prospective patients and it provides a good entrance for people to come in and out of. And by people, I mean staff members. This was something that was super important to me because I did not want our employees or myself walking through the waiting room in front of patients because inevitably people will have to leave early or come late and I don't want the patients to see that. Um, So I would 1010% recommend a staff entrance and if you can make it in a way that it's not going to confuse patients um, and make them think that it is the front entrance, that would be ideal. Um, This is something that was super important to me. I actually had them put in an extra door into this hallway area in order to have a separate staff entrance. So the space originally did not have a door and it was like a non-negotiable for me in the lease negotiations to put in that second door. So I would highly, highly recommend having a separate staff entrance. Kind of along those lines, um, one thing that I would maybe do a little bit differently would be to have a larger staff kind of lunch break room with the space that we have. We have a full refrigerator, a microwave, a toaster oven, uh, a sink, and some cabinets. And then we have a small four-person table, but that is pretty much the max that could fit in that little room because it's very tiny. And it's fine for us right now because we are a team of three, myself, my office coordinator, and my assistant. But my office has four chairs and a console room. So once we get to the point where all four of those chairs are running, there's not going to be enough room for all of the employees to eat in there. Now, when the weather is nicer, there's an area outside where we often go and eat. But in the wintertime or when it's raining or something like that, um, there's not enough room for everybody to be in the staff room. So that's something that I know is going to be a challenge that we will have to kind of deal with in the future um, once we do grow to the point where I have a larger team. I don't know if we will stagger lunches or some people won't stay in the office. They'll go out and get food. Um, I'll probably have to eat in my own private office versus eating with the team. But that's something that, you know, when you look at it on paper, you're like, oh, yeah, it's big enough, you know, if it's a table. And um, But seeing it in person, it is definitely too small for um, four staff members running the chairs and then conceivably a front 
desk reception person and then a treatment coordinator or myself that's like six to seven people and um, the room is way too small to fit that many people so if I had a little bit more room I would definitely make that area bigger Um, but I didn't mention this earlier and I probably should have my office is only um, 1751 square feet so she is a lean lean machine Um, there is not a lot of wiggle room for extra stuff and um, I think everything is a trade-off in terms of balancing the amount of rent that you want to pay because every square foot is more rent um, with the space that you need to be able to operate so i feel like personally like 15 to 1600 is probably the bare bones minimum that you could have to open a practice so my practice is definitely on the smaller side i mean there are offices that are 4,000 square feet so um in an ideal world, we probably would have been like 2,000 square feet, but in order to keep costs down, um, I opted for a smaller space. So I think overall we did pretty well with what we had, but ideally um, there are a few areas that it would have been a little bit nicer to have them be a little bit larger. <laughs> so um, with that, that brings me to the next Thing that I am glad that I did and that is have a dedicated staff bathroom so in my space we have two bathrooms one for the patients and then one for the team and I just think that's really nice because um, one I don't want the assistants or myself to have to go out into the reception area to use the bathroom and um, Two, it allows us to be able to keep personal stuff in there. Um, Like we're all girls, we have, you know, feminine hygiene products in the bathroom for that very special time of the month. Um, We have toothbrushes in there because after all, we are an orthodontic practice that we can keep in there. Um, And if we had to share a bathroom with the patients, we couldn't really leave our stuff in there. I made the patient bathroom a little bit fancier in terms of the finishes um and the staff bathroom is pretty basic but honestly that's totally fine um just having that designated second space again that was kind of a non-negotiable for me um and i think that will be helpful in the future to just have like a private space the only thing that i will say about having the staff bathroom that I wish I could maybe have done differently is to put it in a more discreet location. So um, with the way that my office layout is, the patient bathroom is up in the front in the reception area, which I think makes sense. Um, But the staff bathroom is on a hallway that is kind of the main hallway down the length of my office so patients walk past it all the time when they go on their way back to their treatment chairs 
and you know they'll see that it's a bathroom so a lot of times people think that it is the bathroom for patients like if someone is in the back they will try to go to that bathroom um so we changed the signage on that bathroom to say like employees only and that has helped to prevent it or if people ask for the bathroom like we send them up front um but we have had a few occasions where people mistake our staff bathroom for the actual patient bathroom which is not a huge deal i mean we don't have anything like bad in there um but ideally i would have put it in a location that was more private so that patients wouldn't even see it or know about it um so that they wouldn't think that it was open for them to use all right so the other kind of pro con things that i have left are um one thing that I love is the amount of room that I have around my treatment chairs in the back. So we have kind of a somewhat open bay system um, with the four treatment chairs. There are dividing walls between the chairs, but they are very spacious around them. Um, there is a lot of room, I would say like three to four feet on either side of the chair um and then you know there's a dividing wall and there's three to four feet on the other side of the dividing wall before the next chair so that is more like a common general dentistry spacing rather than ortho ortho tends to be much more um close together like three feet total between two chairs is more of the norm um but I have like six to seven at least, and I just really like it. I like having the space. A lot of parents, especially for our younger patients, like to come back, and while I don't encourage it, I do allow it, Um, and I've had a few instances where like the whole fam comes back um, with, you know, the siblings, or we have a few patients that have split households like you know the parents are divorced or not together and um so the mom and the dad will want to come back and just having that extra space makes it so that they can all be there but they're not like really in our way um so i enjoy having that space i also um use a handpiece to remove glue from braces myself and so um, with the space that we have I can have my assistant suction for me or hold a black light when looking at Invisalign attachments and we have plenty of space to do that kind of like four-handed dentistry which is not usually the norm in ortho um, so I enjoy that extra space I'm really glad that we did that even though, like I said, space was limited in the office, the clinic area is very open and has lots of room. So I really, really like that and I'm happy with my decision to do that. I probably could have squeezed in another chair and done five chairs if I had been willing to put them closer together. But honestly, I don't really see myself running more than four chairs in a consult room, at least at this point, that's kind of what I'm comfortable with in order to give the patients the most 
attention and know what's going on with everybody's care. Um, and I like having the space. So that is a trade-off though, because that brings me to my final kind of, I don't want to say regret, but, um, thing that I would maybe change if I could. Um, and that is that I wish my consult room were larger because, um, so right now the way that it is, I have a desk for my office coordinator and a patient exam chair and then two chairs for like parents to sit and um like i said we've had a couple experiences where the entire family comes um or you know like it's siblings and both parents and it's just very cramped in our little consult room and i wish there was more space um to just make it more comfortable. Um, sometimes I'm like maneuvering around a little bit in there, but again, with the office being only 1751 square feet, there are certain things that, uh, you know, they just are where they are. And I think having a smaller consult room is one of them. My private office is very small. It's like a glorified closet and it has a giant column in it. Um, so we really couldn't have taken much more space from anywhere. So overall, I think, like I said, the biggest thing with my office floor plan is the amount of space, but I kept it smaller square foot wise in order to keep my costs down. So everything is a trade-off. We'll see, you know, talk to me five years from now when hopefully the practice is booming and, um, I'll see how I feel about not not getting that extra 250 square feet, but um, that was the decision that I made when I was looking at the space and opened, and overall, I am happy. I love my design choices with the office, and I'm really proud of the aesthetic that we put together, and I think, honestly, um, having come up with this floor plan, like I said, in residency without ever experiencing a real private practice i'm pretty happy with how it turned out so hopefully if you are interested in opening a practice this can give you a little bit of perspective and let you know maybe some things that you want to look a little closer at before you go ahead with them and also um, some things that i would highly highly recommend one thing I will say is if you can try to get feedback from other orthodontists who have practices or even if they don't have a practice, you know, if they work in a practice, they could tell you just from working in it, you know, what is a good thing and what is maybe a little bit less than ideal. So I would try to ask for the perspective of other orthodontists to see what they would recommend, show your perspective floor plan to other people, um, and just get feedback. You know, you don't have to listen to everything that somebody tells you, um, but it's always good to get another perspective. Are you interested in starting your own practice but have no idea where to start? Does the thought of contracts, entity formation, demographics, staffing, marketing, equipment, overwhelm you beyond belief? Well, don't worry, you're not alone. 
the process of opening a practice is a long one. But there's just one thing you must do first before you even consider any of those nitty-gritty steps. Develop a strong practice vision. Having a vision for your future practice provides a guiding light to get you to your goal. And the best part? It's completely free, requires absolutely no contact with any contractors, real estate agents, or bankers. If you're even considering starting a practice, you need to start with your vision. I've developed a quick start guide to help you get the wheels in motion. Click the link in the show notes to download my free guide to developing your practice vision. I'm so excited for you to take this first step. So pause the episode here, download the guide, and start building your dream. I hope you guys found this week's episode helpful. If you did, make sure to share it with someone else who you might think could benefit from it. And as always, you're more than welcome to reach out to me on Instagram at dr.confessions. With any questions that you may have, I am so ready and willing to help. So with that, I will catch you guys in the next one. Bye guys. 